As we continue in uh, studying Acts, the second chapter, uh, looking at verses 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 22 to 36, I want to talk about the subject matter. Jesus is both Lord and Christ or Messiah. I want to talk about his identity. Identity is the distinguished character or personality of an individual. Identity is also the way one establishes psychologically their identification or relationship with someone or something. Identity can also be the sameness of what constitutes or makes up a person. And also think about how we are identified by our culture, our language, or even geographically where you live. Here in the United States of America, to establish your identity, you have to prove a few things. Uh, You have to prove that you are a citizen, so you have to have a proof of birth. Uh, You have to have a birth certificate that shows that as you were born, maybe in the States or foreign, but yet you were born as a citizen status. You have to prove your place of address, that you are truly who you say you are, that you have a consistent address. Uh, You have to prove sometimes uh, that you have bills. So they want to see some kind of utility. If you live in this place, then you should have at least a water bill or electricity bill. So you need to prove that with us too. And then sometimes many of us have gone through the situation that you've lost your driver's license, you've lost your state ID, and you also don't have your social security card. And so you go to get your social security card, proof of your number. They say they need to see ID. And you're thinking, I don't have ID. That's why I'm trying to get ID. And so therefore, they say there's other ways you can prove who you are. There's medical records, school records. There are ways of court documentation that proves who you are. What I'm trying to point out that as long as you live life, there's things that identify who you are. You can identify yourself in different ways. Think about how you've gone to a place of professional meeting and you introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Bob in sales. You give your name and what you do to identify yourself. But yet, if you're not in a professional setting, you identify yourself different way. You can say, hello, I am Bob, his father. Now, we identify ourselves in a different way, right, by what we do or how we're related to someone or something. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. We have who he is and what he does. Who he is, his name is Lord. That's, that's Adonai, that's Yahweh, that's who he is. He is Lord. That's the proper name of God. Jesus, who we know when he stepped in time and earth, he became Jesus. But he's always been the son of God, who is with God the Father and God the Spirit, three in one. He is Lord. But then he is also the Messiah, the the chosen one, the anointed one of God, coming through the lineage of David to redeem the people of Israel and restore them back in a proper relationship with God. His identity. When I think about identity, I, I think of a popular children's game. They still make this board game called Guess Who? 
I, I was thinking about how I could get the cards up on the screen and stuff like that for us, but I, that was a little too much work. I couldn't find, I didn't want, and I couldn't take the pictures and everything. So, but if you ever play Guess Who, there's a game that you get a, a red one and a blue one with about 30 faces on there, and you have to guess the character. And to identify the character, you can ask questions. As, does this, is it a man? Is it a woman? Does they, do they have hair? Do they wear hats? Are they wearing glasses? What color are their eyes? And so you can play the game, and then once you think you know who the person is, you, got, you can take a guess. But if you guess wrong, you lose. So the key thing, you try to eliminate as many of the obstacles to come down that you can narrow it down that you think, I know who the one is. But yet, notice that the guess who game identifies people by what they look like. So we have our identity different ways by what we look like, by what we do, how we live, and our relationship. My question for you to ponder on as we look at this text, what's your relationship with Christ? How do you identify yourself to him? Is he both Lord and Christ in your life? Is he one or the other? Or do you even acknowledge him in your life? We must come to understand that Jesus is who he is. And we must surrender. Because if he is both Lord and Christ, we must surrender our lives to his authority, to his will, and live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Where we are here in this text is that the spirit has been poured out. And so here it is, Peter has an impromptu message. He's preaching. He's developed his, his back. His background text to help him move forward about the moment and event of time. We, we looked at that last Sunday from Joel, and he's talking about God has poured out his spirit on men and women alike, young and old, sons and daughters, that they might prophesy, whether they be slave or whether they be free, that they might tell the coming of the Lord. And so now he moves at the end of that part where we left off. He says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So not only is he Lord, but he's also Christ. So notice how he starts developing this. So join with me, Acts 2nd chapter, verse 22. Y'all with me there? If you're with me, they say amen. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. It says that he attested, he proved, he gave an example that who Jesus is. Do you understand that God wanted everybody to understand that Jesus, who he says he is? How, how do we know that he is who he said? Well, he gave us proof. What's the proof? You see it right there. It says he did powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. Powerful miracles, basically powerful works, things that no one ever has done before. They saw Jesus do. Help them understand this man must be of God. Because only a man of God can do these powerful things of turning and feeding a thousand, healing the, the lame, and making the blind to see. He must be of God. He did wonders, works that show God's character or purpose. One of the wonders that we got to experience and we read in, 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 in uh, the gospel is that when he raised Lazarus, he said that God permitted this to be done so that you might know that he is Lord. Another one was a man that was born blind. They asked, who sinned? 
that this man was born blind. He says, no, he was born blind for this moment and for this time so that you might see the glory of the Lord. Do you understand that it was a specific wonder that was done that pointed them to God? Then he did signs. Signs are also specific works that point to the purpose and the authority of Jesus. One sign that he did was only a few saw, but we read about it in the gospel, is that while he was on the mountaintop, God spoke and he was enlightened and they saw Elijah and the prophet there and they said, it's good for us to be here. And, and, and when Peter said, let us make books, he was saying, let us stay here. We're going to stay up here on this mountaintop experience. But no, they had to go back down. He did signs. He walked on water. Who is this that he, the wind and the waves, obey his command, that he can walk on water, he can say, peace be still. They're like, nobody but God can do some things like this. The sign that we see backwards looking in, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. A sign of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Another sign that shows who he is, that he died on the cross for our sins. God knew that the son would be betrayed. You see that there in the text? He's telling that God knew. God knew the son was going to be betrayed by lawless Gentiles that helped. Notice they said helped. They didn't do it by themselves. The lawless Gentiles, the Roman government helped and was complicit with the Jews in nailing Jesus to the cross. But we can't put it on them and say, therefore, we helped nail him to the cross too because we are sinners. I got a few amens. I, I want you to really grab and think about if he's Lord and Christ in my life, I got to be willing to confess I am a sinner saved by his grace. Some of us have, have walked so long with Christ that we forgot who we used to be. And so we look down on others and, and make them feel bad about themselves when they struggle or when they mess up, not understanding that it's only by his grace and it's by his mercy. We must learn to understand that I am just like you, saved by his grace. We nailed him to the cross because he died for our sins. They crucified him. He died a horrific death. The evidence of Jesus as Lord in your life should be you should see those miracles and wonders moving in your life. What's the miracle? One, that he saved you. I should add a few more amens. You should see the sign how he saved you by how you walk differently. You talk differently. That's a sign of someone that's God moving in your life. You should be wondered every time you woke up that God gave you another day. And realize that, yes, Lord, I should work for your glory now. You gave me one more chance. The evidence of Jesus in our lives. But notice how he showed them that this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, notice, remember, I talked about identity. He identified that how they knew Jesus, that he was not the other Jesus, not, not Jesus from Jerusalem, not, not Jesus from the block, but Jesus from Nazareth. The, the Nazarene, the son of a carpenter, the one that had no former skills or training in the religious law. He was not a Pharisee. He was not a Sadducee, but they call him teacher. Uh, this Jesus, uh, 
the one that when he was baptized by John the Baptist, the sky opened up. We heard a voice from God saying, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. They saw the spirit of God as fluttering above like a dove ascended upon him. And in the power of the spirit, he went out into the wilderness where we read about how the enemy tried to trap him and defeat him. But we know that the spirit took him in. The spirit brought him out. Jesus, Nazareth. That he was not who you thought he was. But he was doing powerful things because God was showing us that this Jesus of Nazareth is Lord. But yet, I I think you might have grabbed he's Lord, but do you know that he's Christ? That he is the Messiah? He's the anointed one chosen to come out of the lineage of David. Even David understood this. Y'all love David. Here's what David said. So now he's quoting from the Psalms, talking about what David talking about. Some Psalm 16, 8 and 11 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Peter preaches of David is speaking this psalm of Christ, who he knows is to be Jesus. Peter expounds how this psalm could not refer to David because David is dead and he buried in a tomb and we know where that tomb is. But death did not defeat who he was talking about in the psalm. Y'all see that there in the text? It says that, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad. Aren't you glad how Jesus makes you glad? And you, and you have shown me, the verse 20, you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. See, David knew that he was looking towards the power of the Lord, and the power of the Lord was his presence. Remember what Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He is present. The king is here. And when the king is here, when the king is here, then you are in his presence. In his presence, you saw the powerful wonders and miracle signs. Here, I want to encourage you to understand that there's nothing better than being in his presence. We must submit and surrender to him. And you must be desperate to be in his presence. We have to surrender our lives. We have to open up and say, Lord, have your way. We get so busy in our life that we, 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 we fill our calendar up with appointments and dates and vacations that we don't say, Lord, this time is for you. We try to squeeze them in where he can fit in. And but yet we always call on him when we need him. You know, we we treat God like our cell phones. Here's how we treat God like our cell phones. See, you pay your bill on your cell phone when you want to use it. And, And you want to make sure that it's working. But you notice one thing that your cell phone is only good when you're in serviceable areas. When you get in non serviceable, no matter how much you pay, that phone not going to work. The only people that can receive your call are emergency. It says on there too, only available for 911 calling. That's all that's going to work. 
And so here it is how we use God like ourselves when that while we're going through things, we're not worried about whether we're connected, whether we're covered. But when we get in trouble, it better work. 911, what's your emergency? If we spend time with him, we stay in his presence, then we know he's a present help in the time of trouble. I look up to the hills which come with my help. All my help comes from the Lord. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Do you understand that in his presence I know I have victory? In his presence I have joy. In his presence I know I have life and life everlasting because why? Death cannot hold him. Verse 29 says, Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. You see how, remember when they chose the disciples? The apostles chose the field that says one that has witnessed the resurrection. So that's why they can stand boldly and say that we witnessed his power and his defeating of death over the resurrection. Now, now, when, you, when he says that how the, the, the grave could not hold him, basically saying that it was a trap, it was a snare by the enemy. The enemy thought he had him gripped and, and had him trapped, had him snared. And, and, and so I, here's how I think about the enemy. I think about the enemy, about a good old, used to be Saturday morning cartoon, the road runner and Wiley Coyote. Beep, beep. Wiley Coyote always has some traps to get the road runner. And, and, and oftentimes he always had an anvil. And, and one of them that he had an anvil, he hooked up to that little trash can. You know that little trash can you always got? He put an anvil to the trash can, had a big balloon so he can fly over, so he could drop the anvil on the road run. And, 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 and what happened is that he dropped the anvil, but then all of a sudden his balloon popped. And so you, then you see him falling. And the funny thing is this, you see him pass the balloon. You see him past the trash can. You see him past the anvil. <laughs> he falls down on the ground. Plow. The balloon falls. Plow. The trash can falls. Plow. The anvil falls right on him. Plow. The roadrunner runs over the anvil. I want to highlight this for you. The enemy became his footstool. I want you to understand, see, what the enemy tries to put against you, God can reverse that. Every time Wiley tries to get Roadrunner, it seems like Roadrunner is always ahead of him. He's always able to escape the traps of the enemy. Do you understand that? That's a cartoon. That's not real. But Jesus is real. And the devil is real. But yet God can give us power. <laughs> Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. 
And so when we trust in our God, we can understand just as the enemy is plotting, trying to cause our demise, trying to cause us to stumble and fall, we can trust that God is looking out for us and that he will see a way to make us able to get where he wants us to be. Another example I give out my my friend, the roadrunner, me, me. Uh, you know how the wild cow would drop bird seed, and in the bird seed he will have like dynamite or something there to kill him, right? And the roadrunner comes down to eat what he wants, and nothing goes off, right? So Wiley comes to inspect the trap to wonder why it didn't work. And then he comes over and they say, no, boom, he gets blown up. I want you to understand, the lion is seeking whom he may devour. But God is looking out for us. He will pair the table for me in the presence of my enemies. Do you understand how when you know him to be Lord, that he is with us? The Lord is my shepherd. To know that he will protect me, he will provide for me. Because he is Lord. He has risen from the grave. He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. He has won the victory. Death could not hold him. You will not leave my soul among the dead. Or allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. Verse 30. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that the one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking to the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witness of this. Now he is what? Exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord says to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both what? Lord and Messiah. Do you see how they're letting them know this beginning of the church, the establishment of the church, pointing out to them that whom we are worshiping, whom we are serving, whom we are declaring is greater. He's the one you did nail to the cross. He's the one that was buried, but he defeated death. He rose again. And he rose so that we might have life and have life everlasting. You see that there in the song? said, Lord, in your presence, in your presence. Let me go back to that. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. For you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Joy in Jesus' presence is forever. Because in his presence there's peace, there's love, there's everlasting life. 
we can experience this because Jesus has defeated death. The power of the resurrection shows us that he is Lord, that he is exalted. He is high above the earth. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And from this position, God poured out the Holy Spirit so that we might know him in a better way. We too will be lifted up in victory with Jesus because death cannot defeat us either. Because he defeated the grave, we have no longer to fear death, but we may know life and everlasting because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life and the resurrection. Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. He was crucified, but he rose to defeat death. He is the chosen one that came down 42 generations to the throne of David, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is the Son of God. He is Lord. So my beginning question in identifying, who is he to you? Is he your Lord? Have you submitted to him? Have you surrendered to him? Because here's what I want to walk you through to open up your heart. Open up yourself to be in a perfect space. That you can surrender to him. That you can move in him. Let the Lord use you by you surrendering yourself to him. Who is he to you? Will you open up? Will you surrender? Will you let him into your heart? Will you let him be your Lord and your Savior? I want to lead you in this time just to meditate on that. that Is he Lord to you? Let him be Lord. Let him be God all by himself. For there's none like him. He is both Lord and Messiah. Let us turn to him.